Second Thessalonians, chapter number two, verses one through four. Amen. I feel like the Holy Ghost spoke to me a couple of weeks ago for this service. I believe that God has a plan for this service. Amen. Listen to that. Isn't that the most beautiful sound? Amen. Isn't it wonderful to have a future? Praise God. Amen. Our babies and our children are not a problem. They're a promise. Amen. And we're thankful for our children and young folks. 2 Thessalonians chapter number 2, verses 1 through 4. If you found it, say amen. I know somebody was praying because I just now remembered my timeline. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by our gathering together unto him, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled neither by spirit nor by word nor by letter as from us, as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first. And that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God. Or that is worship so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. There is a spirit at work in this end time that's trying to make itself God, put itself on the throne. And I'm telling you, that is a lie. We call it the Antichrist spirit that's at work. But the Bible said in verse number two that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled by spirit. I will tell you this morning that God does not want his people to be shaken in their mind. Amen. And that's what I feel like the Holy Ghost wants me to preach about today. Not shaken in mind. Lord, I pray for your anointing on me to preach. I know that you've spoken to me for this service, and I know that you've given me the word for this service. I pray, God, that you would anoint me, God, because I need your help. I need your anointing. I need the guidance of your spirit. I need you to speak by the Holy Ghost, oh God. I need you to direct my mind and heart so I can speak your word. I pray that you would anoint ears to hear. God, I pray for the gift of faith to operate, that we can lay hold of your word and apply it to our lives. I pray, Lord Jesus, have your way in this place. Let the anointing of your spirit move in this house. God, we praise you and we thank you for you're going to confirm your word with signs following in Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Give the Lord a great hand clap of praise and lift your voice and worship him. Hallelujah, hallelujah. 
Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Lord, I love you. I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. I feel his presence here right now. Oh, that's right. Let's praise him. Amen. Before you're seated, can you clap your hands one more time and welcome our online audience to Bethlehem Church today. God bless you. You can be seated. In 1995, just two or three months after I was married, I made my first missions trip. I went to the country of Ethiopia, and that trip radically changed my life. It changed how I viewed church, how I viewed ministry, and how I viewed life. I saw poverty like I had never seen before. The first, the first sight when you walk out of the airport there was a fence probably 10 foot high with thousands of poor, starving people reaching their hands through that fence, trying their best to get something. I saw leprosy for the first time on that trip and what it does to someone's body. I saw true hunger and suffering. But while I saw all of those heart-wrenching Sights. I also saw worship and prayer like I had never seen it before. A spiritual passion and hunger for God like I had never seen. The year that I went was four or five years after the fall of communism in Ethiopia. And shortly after the end of the terrible famine that many of the folks my age or so can remember the images of that devastating famine where thousands and thousands and actually hundreds of thousands of people starved to death. It was during that time that Pentecostals were brutally persecuted by not only the established Coptic Christian church, but the communist government and its agents and agencies. It was not just the sights and conditions that radically changed me, but it was also the people that I met. One of the men that I met was known only, introduced as Brother Joseph. He was a pastor of a church somewhere in the country of Ethiopia. And this man had a scar that started above his left ear and went all the way around to the back of his head, the, a scar from a wound inflicted by government officials who tried to force him to quit preaching Jesus' name and the Holy Ghost. I met a pastor whose name was Godana, whose house and church were both burned to the ground because he preached about Pentecostal fire. And so they decided if he wants to preach about fire, they were going to give him fire. And so while he and his family were asleep in their small home, Somebody set fire to their house and then to their church and his family barely escaped with their lives. One after the other, I was introduced to humble men and women with scars and stories about physical violence, imprisonment, and suffering for the sake of this apostolic message. I would, I, I, it's not really my message, but I would like to throw in that we need to remember that we're going to be judged next to these men and women in eternity someday. And so whatever our excuses for unfaithfulness and worldliness and carnality may be, they will not stand up to the scrutiny of heaven in the end time. And you can say amen there. Amen. 
You hear you with me this morning? When you experience all of that as a young, at a young age, seeing these kind of men and women who have suffered and given all for this message, it does mark your life. It marks your heart. One of the men that we spent the most time with, his name was Brother Degu. He was our interpreter and our driver. He was the main contact that we had as we traveled through the country preaching and praying and ministering to people. One of the nights after preaching, we were eating something. I, I, I don't know what it was. I didn't know then, and I sure don't remember now. But whatever we were eating, we were sitting, and that's when we began to meet some of these men of God. They would bring them by, and they would tell their story and uh, how they had been beaten and persecuted for the gospel's sake. And one night, after a particularly horrifying story of a man who suffered greatly for the message that we get to have to preach. We told Degu, our interpreter, how moved we were by the sights and the stories of these men and women, their scars, the, the great wounds that they suffered. And it was at that time that Brother Degu stopped us and he told us something that never left my mind. He said, here we suffer physical persecution, but that's easy. He said, in America, your persecution is on your mind. He said, and that's much more difficult to survive than physical persecution. Brothers and sisters, we are living in an era of intense mental persecution. People's minds are under savage attacks from Satan. Paul wrote to the church at Thessalonica, we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, and by the, our gathering together unto him. Paul wrote to the church of Thessalonica, but really he was writing to the Christians that would be alive in the end time because the subject matter of his writing is not what was going on right then, but he said what I'm writing is concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and how we're gonna be gathered to him. In our modern language, the literal interpretation of this passage is that it's concerning the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and our being gathered together to him. So what he's writing is about, he's writing to those who were to be alive at the time of the coming of the Lord and the rise of the Antichrist. He's writing to those that would be alive in the time what I believe is a time that you and I are living in right now. This is written, I believe, to our generation. The closer we get to the coming of the Lord and the end of time, there is an increase in mental pressure that Christians have to deal with on a daily basis. Amen. Paul said concerning the coming of the Lord, and when we will be gathered to him. And then he goes into verse two, that you be not soon shaken in mind or troubled by spirit. That word shaken there means a motion produced by winds or storm or waves. It is to agitate or to shake, to cause, to totter, or to shake thoroughly. It is a, a shaking that, is, that, that comes as a result of some kind of pressure, 
some kind of storm, some kind of wind, some kind of trouble, that when it comes, it causes whatever is feeling the force of those winds to shake. It is the exact same Greek word that is used by Luke in the book of Acts when he's writing about Paul and Silas in the prison. And as they began to praise, the Bible said an earthquake began to move and the place was shaken. The effect of that earthquake on that prison, shaking it and and rocking it and causing the ground to shake. That is what Paul is saying. He's saying that when we get close to the coming of the Lord and, and our gathering, the closer we get to the Lord's return and our gathering to him, you've got to be careful that you don't have a mental earthquake. That what's happening and being imposed on you, the pressures and the storms of life that come against you and your family and your church, against your mind. He said, you've got to understand that the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, the more you have to make sure that your mind is not shaken by the earthquake going on around us. May I tell you, I understand I understand that what I'm preaching is not a physical earthquake, but there is a spiritual earthquake going on in our nation and our world right now. The foundations of our society and culture are being shaken and rocked, and you've got to be sure that when we get closer to the coming of the Lord, that your mind does not get shaken in these end times. Amen. Paul went on to talk about the rise of the Antichrist and the events that were to come upon the earth. Brothers and sisters, let me tell you something very important, uh, that when you are struggling in your mind, when you are struggling uh, with pressure and stress and anxiety and worry, that you are not defective. You listen to me right now. If you've never listened to anything I've ever preached, you listen to what I'm preaching to you this morning. Uh, You are not defective. You're not crazy. You're not just tripping out. You're not weak. What you're experiencing is the pressure of the time that we live in. You are experiencing the pressure of the end time and 2,000 years before you faced it, the Holy Ghost moved the hand of Paul to write and said, when we get to the end of time, don't be shaken in your mind. God was looking out for you 2,000 years ahead of time. I want you to understand, God help me to preach what you put on my heart. I want you to understand uh, that generations, uh, centuries before we came to this moment, Paul said, when we start talking about the coming of the Lord and our gathering to him, uh, you've got to understand that the closer we get to the coming of the Lord, the more pressure there's going to be on the mind of the church. And I got a feeling uh, that when the Thessalonians got that letter from the hand of Paul and they said, when the Lord comes back, our brothers and sisters are going to be struggling mentally. I believe that church started praying right then. You've had people praying for you for centuries, brothers and sisters. Oh, God. You are experiencing the pressure of the end time. Your mind is the battleground of the spirit. You must understand that the enemy wants to control your mind. Amen. I'm going to ask you to put your phone away. 
I'm going to ask you to not be writing and texting. You need to listen to what I'm preaching today. This may be the most important message you'll hear this entire year. Your mind is the battleground of the spirit. The enemy wants to trouble your mind. Amen. The enemy wants to control your mind or at least get your mind out from under the control of the Holy Ghost. I've come this morning to this pulpit to fight for your mind. First of all, I have to tell you that much of what I'm preaching today puts you under tremendous responsibility. It's convenient to blame the devil. And it's also convenient to try to make God do all the work. But when it comes to your spiritual mind, you have to take responsibility for your own mind. Amen. I remember one time my mother was having severe migraine headaches and she went and got an MRI or a CAT scan or something. I don't know what kind of, uh, of test they did, but she called me and she said, she said, John, they did that test on my, on my mind, on my head, and they couldn't find anything. But it's convenient to blame the devil. Well, the devil's doing it. The devil's doing it. The devil's doing it. And it's convenient also to try to say, God, you got to do it all. But what I'm preaching today is putting you under responsibility to take charge of your spiritual mind today. Too many people preach and believe that in an all-spirit Christianity, that the Holy Ghost does everything. We wait on God to do everything. We want deliverance without our own involvement. But may I tell you that God wants to use you to do the work today. Amen. God wants to use you to do the work. If God didn't need people to do the work, he wouldn't have put a rod in Moses' hand or a sling in David's hand or a jawbone in Samson's hand. God will help, but you've got to do something. You can't sit around and say, God, when are you going to help? When are you going to help? When are you going to help? And never come to prayer and never get involved in worship and never say amen and never come to an altar and never get involved. You have to take charge of your spiritual mind today. What I'm preaching is a responsibility. God, help me, Lord Jesus. God uses us to do his work often. In the Bible, there's a phrase that shows up over and over, and it's, it's often misunderstood. The phrase is most often written by David in the Psalms where he says, my heart is fixed. People think that that, that, that means that, that uh, when it says that my heart is fixed, that means like God is a spiritual repairman and he renovates the heart, and that is true, but that is not instantaneous more often than not. It's a false belief that causes people to think that God takes care of everything. And if God doesn't do it, then God doesn't care about me. My heart is fixed in the King James Version. Uh, is actually an a, 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 a interpretation of the Hebrew. And what it means when it says my heart is fixed, what it really means literally is my mind is made up. I have made up 
my mind. When David says my heart is fixed, what he's really saying is I've made up my mind. I've made my decision. I'm not debating it anymore. I'm not wondering about it anymore. I have set my course. I've made my decision. My heart is fixed, established, set, not moving. I'm not going to change my mind on if I'm going to live for God tomorrow. I'm not going to change my mind about worship later on. What what the report I get from the doctor is not going to change how I think about God. Are you with me this morning? What I, the bill I get in the mail that I wasn't expecting is not going to make me doubt that God is good and worship him. My heart is fixed. David said in Psalms 57 and 7, my heart is fixed, oh God, my heart is fixed. My mind is made up, God, my mind is made up. Well, what's it made up about? I will sing and give praise. You listen to me today. One of the most important things that you will ever do is make up your mind to be a worshiper. Amen. My heart is fixed. My mind is made up. I will sing and give praise. What happens outside the doors of this church are not going to affect the fact that when I walk in this place, I'm lifting my hands and I'm praising him. I may be going through hell on earth out there, but when I come in here, my mind's made up. I'm a praiser. I'm a worshiper. I'm going to praise him. It's not up for debate. It's not up to what song they sing. It's not up to if my favorite preacher preaches, my heart is fixed. I've made up my mind. It was predetermined before I ever walked in. The most important, one of the most important decisions you'll ever make is to make up your mind, I am a worshiper. Amen. One of the most frustrating things for me as a pastor and a preacher is to know that people are going through trials and struggles and then to watch them in worship. To watch them in the altar. And at best they do this and at worst they're needling somebody and aggravating somebody else. I cannot help you if you will not do your part. All the hours that goes into sermon preparation and all the hours that the music team puts into practice and and all the hours and time that all the workers do so that we can come together and have church is absolutely wasted. If you don't make up your mind, I'm going to engage in what the Holy Ghost is doing. My heart is fixed. My heart is fixed. I've made up my mind. I've made up my mind. I will give praise. You've got to plug into what God is doing. If you don't plug into what God is doing, uh, you might as well not even be in his presence. But God is trying to draw somebody. So God's trying to draw somebody to make the decision. I am a worshiper. I don't know why God likes hand clapping. But he said, clap your hands, all ye people, and shout unto God with a voice. I don't know why he likes it. I just know he likes it. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary. I don't know what this does for God, but I know he said I like it, and I want you to do it. 
I don't know what leaping for joy does to the heart of God, but if you can do it, you ought to do it. Because he said, rejoice ye in that day and leap for joy. I don't know. I don't know why God likes singing. I don't know why he likes singing. Me and God are different. I mean, I could show up and just have three or four preachers and, and, and I'd be just as good as anything. I have not turned on music going down the road in my car in years. In years. It's just not my thing. I'll listen to preaching. I'll listen to podcasts, but it's just not my thing. Now, I will tell you this, that I sing a lot more to myself because I'm the only one that can stand it. I don't know why God likes it as much as he does. But he said he did. And so my job is not to try to get God to like what I like. My job is to give God what he likes. And it doesn't matter if I don't like clapping my hands. He likes when I clap my hands. It doesn't matter if I don't like raising my hands. But he likes it when I raise my hands. So I'm not giving him what I want. I'm giving him what he wants. You telling God what he ought to like is like somebody giving a little kid a 2XL sweatshirt so you can wear it. I think I'm going to buy my wife a new hunting rifle for her birthday this year. She didn't like hunting. She didn't like going out in the woods. But I told her I'm going to buy it because I know that's what I want. What kind of a gift giver is that? So when we walk in these doors and we say, God, I'll give you what I think you want. And I'll give you what I want to do. Well, my friend, you might as well give God a hunting rifle for his birthday because you're not giving him what he wants. My heart is fixed. I'm, let me just tell you this. I realized that, that that's after I, I, I went through and I said what, what my heart is fixed means, my mind is made up. Let me just tell you that if you make up your mind to be a worshiper, it might fix the rest of your heart too. If you walk through those doors with a mind to praise, you might not want to watch pornography as much as you want to. You might not want to flirt with the lady down the street that's not your wife. Hello, somebody. Look, I'm not quitting till I'm done this morning. I got the tail of a tiger by the hand right now. I know I've heard from God. We ought to set our mind on some stuff. Well, I don't think God cares about that. Honey, God's not paying you to think for him. You hear what I'm saying? Well, I don't think God really cares about all that. It's not your place to think for God. God never hired you to be his thinking agent. God hired you to obey what his word said. And God said he likes holiness, and he likes faithfulness, and he likes giving, and he likes prayer, and he likes worship. And for you not to give any of it is you telling God he doesn't deserve it. My heart, I've made up my mind. I've made up my mind. Somebody, the biggest part of your mental battle is you hadn't made up your mind to be a praiser yet. You've sat in church for years, but you've never really taken that step to say, God, I'm here for you, not me. <laughs> Praise brings us into the presence of the Lord. Psalms 100 and verse 4, enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Amen. Look at that. Thanksgiving, praise, and thankfulness. 
the last, the last phrase, bless his name. I will tell you that thanksgiving and praise and thankfulness blesses God. And you cannot win a spiritual war without the presence of the Lord. And praise carries us into his presence. Amen. My heart is fixed. My mind is made up. I started down this path and I got sidetracked when I was talking about one of my greatest frustrations is to know that people are going through trials and problems and, and they'll come into church and they'll sit like a bump on a log. They'll not get in the altar and pray. They won't go to the prayer room. They won't ever lift their hands and they just sit there. But then, but then though they don't want to move in a worship service, they're more than happy to take a two-hour counseling session from somebody. The first step to your spiritual health. And look, I'm not, I'm not fussing about that. That's my job and I understand it. But, I, but, it, but it, it is a frustration when you have a chance to interact with the presence of God and you won't do it. you got to fix your heart, my brothers and sisters. you got to make up your mind. I will give praise. You're not a hypocrite when you worship when you're going through trials because you're not praising you, you're praising God. And God's always worthy. Regardless of what you're going through in your life, God is worthy. And so God, I'm gonna give you the praise that you're worthy of. Should I go on? I probably need to because I see how many pages I got left and how long I've already been preaching. Amen. Let me tell you that divided loyalties lead to mental struggles. Divided loyalties lead to mental struggles. It prolongs them. Matthew 22 and 37, Jesus said unto him, thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. Amen. Now look, there's one word that appears three times in here. And that word is all. Love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Brothers and sisters, if you're going to win the mental struggle, you got to sell out to Jesus Christ. You can't always be sitting on the fence and wondering, well, I don't know if I'm going to church this week or not. I don't know if I'm going to get up and go to church Sunday or not. I'm not really positive if I'm coming back tonight or not. I don't really think I'm going to. I'm not sure I'm coming to midweek Bible study. Well, my brothers and sisters, until you, pro, until you get your loyalty settled, you're going to prolong your mental struggle over and over and over. You cannot allow the things. I, 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 I hit a quiet. I must have hit a pothole right there. I'm sorry I preached faithfulness. I'm sorry I preached to be faithful to the house of God. I'm sorry I preached the truth to you right now. I apologize for telling you what you need to do. No, I don't apologize. We got to get it together. We're in the end time. Your mind, you can't be shaken in your mind. With all, with all thy mind. Jesus was quoting what is known as the Shema, the greatest, what he called the first and the greatest commandment. We gotta love the Lord with all our heart, soul, and mind. Brothers and sisters, we've got to realize we are in a war. Amen, we're in a war. Satan hates you and wants to destroy you, and the devil doesn't play nice. You can't bargain with a spiritual terrorist. Amen, we learned in the natural, you can't trust a terrorist. 
They'll tell you they'll give you safe passage. They don't ever give safe passage. They'll tell you it'll be all right. We'll honor that. They don't, the devil never honors his agreements. We're dealing with the spiritual terrorist. Amen. Somebody better say amen. The devil wants to destroy your soul. You're in a war. You're not in a game. This isn't a video game. This isn't some kind of an online. You're not gaming with your eternity. This is a war for blood. This is a war for eternity. You've got to make up your mind. I'm in a battle, and I've got to win this battle. I've got to be faithful. Look, it doesn't matter how much fun you get in your short life on earth. However much fun the devil promises you is just a drop in the bucket of eternity. We better live for heaven brothers and sisters. We better get our mind made up. I can't have my loyalties divided between God and the world. Romans 7, 23, but I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity. Everybody say captivity. To the law of sin, which is in my members. Paul writes about his members. What he's talking about is his flesh, his carnal fleshly desires. He's talking about the desires of the sinful man. He said, I see a, a law in my sinful flesh, in my carnality, and it's warring against the law of my mind. My mind knows what I ought to do, but my flesh wants this world. I know I shouldn't do that, but my flesh wants to do it. I know, I know I'm supposed to be in church, but I want to be lazy. I know I want to be in church, but I want to be spiritually carnal. I know that I ought to live holy and dress holy and act holy, but I, my flesh wants the world. You're in a war, my brothers and sisters. The flesh is warring against the law of your mind. The desire for worldly pleasure that your flesh craves is the strategy of hell sent to war against your mind. The old saying, if it feels good, do it, is an abominable lie from hell. It's in direct opposition to what we must do to win our spiritual battles. Brothers and sisters, I'm in a war. I'm in a war for my soul. I'm in a war for my wife's soul. I'm in a war for my children's souls. This is not a plaything. This is not a patty cake meeting. This is a war. I'm fighting for eternity. You're in a war. You got to see yourself as a soldier in an army. And if you don't defend your family, who's going to? If you don't fight for your soul, who's going to? I must understand that there's something warring against my mind. This is not a pleasure cruise. It's a war. The enemy is using our flesh to war against our mind. His goal, according to this verse, is to bring us into captivity. The enemy wants you to be a prisoner to hell and to sin. He wants you to be more sensitive to what your flesh wants than what God wants. Amen. Look, it's not going to get any lighter from here on out, folks. Okay? If you can't take hard preaching, you might as well, you, you might want to pack up and, and, or tune out or something. Turn your hearing aid off, whatever it takes. I don't know. But, uh, but, but, but I'm just telling you that we got to understand that the enemy is trying to sell a bill of goods to your flesh so that he can silence and trouble your mind. 
Romans 8 and 7, but because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God and neither indeed can be. When your mind crosses from spiritual to carnal, it, it comes out from under the domain of the Spirit of God. Amen. Because the carnal mind is enmity. That word enmity means hostility, opposition, or hatred. Amen. I didn't write the Bible. I didn't write the Bible. I just try to read it and preach it. But the Bible said the carnal mind is hatred against God. So you just remember this, that when you give in to carnality and worldliness and you decide that what's preached from this pulpit out of this leather-bound book isn't a good enough standard to live by. You just remember that that mindset is hatred towards God. Amen. You may be Calm down. You got to quit shouting so I can finish this message. Look, I didn't write it, but the Bible says it. That when your mind crosses from spiritual to carnal, that it is hostile towards God. It is your brain declaring war on God and God's ways. Because the carnal mind is not subject to the law of God. When you become carnal and worldly and flesh-driven, you are not in subjection to the Spirit of God. Amen. The carnal mind is opposed to God. Listen. Here's, here's a good exit ramp for somebody. Any voice that encourage you, encourages you to get further from God is a voice of hatred against God and should be viewed as Satan's voice. Anyone that says, hey, let's go out and get a beer. That's the devil's voice. And if you got a friend that's the devil's voice, you need a new friend, brother. If you got a friend that says, hey, I don't feel like going to church tonight. Let's go do something else. That's the devil's voice. If you got a friend that says, look, I know what the, what the church preaches, but you wear that if you want to wear it. That's the voice of the devil in your life. Well, hallelujah. I said Hallelujah. If that voice says slack up on holiness, that's the devil's voice. If that voice says skip church, that's the devil's voice. If that voice says don't pray, it's the devil's voice. If that voice says don't worship, it's the devil's voice. If that voice says don't listen to that preacher, he says, that's the devil's voice in your head. It's enmity against God. Shall I wait out a little bit deeper? Paul told the Philippians that those who mind earthly things are the enemies of the cross. Oh, Lord. Philippians 3, 18 and 19. For many walk of whom I told you often and now tell you, even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross of Christ, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, that means their hungers, their fleshly desires and cravings, whose glory is their shame, who mind earthly things. When you become worldly minded, you position yourself 
as an enemy of the cross of Christ. I, I don't know if there's a way we can get both those verses up there at the same time or not, Brother Zach. But let's, let's go back to, the, to, to 18. You see that? That they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Not period. He's not moving on to another thought. He's not switching subjects. Right? Do I have any English majors here that will nod your head and say, he's, he's right, he's not wrong there. He's, it didn't put a period, he's not changing subjects. They are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Well, what do the enemies of the cross of Christ do? Their end is destruction. Their God is their belly. Their glory is their shame. And they mind earthly things. When we become worldly and carnal, we position ourselves as enemies of the cross of Christ. Well, we don't like to hear it, do we? Oh, God, I don't like to hear it. But you know what? Doesn't make it, it doesn't give me an eraser. God gave me a Bible that doesn't have an eraser in it. He gave me a Bible to preach it, not to change it. I don't want to position myself as an enemy of the cross because I've allowed worldly desires to get into my life and I want to be more like the world than I do of God. Amen. When I position my, when I become earthly in my thinking, worldly in my thinking, I become an enemy of the cross of Christ. Everything that his cross was about, love, mercy, grace, deliverance, salvation, hope, holiness, faithfulness, service, all the things that the cross was about, atonement and redemption, all of the stuff, forgiveness, redemption, all of the stuff that the cross was about. When I become worldly, I make myself an enemy of the cross of Christ. I need to be very careful how I influence others in my family, in my friend group. I don't want to be an enemy of the cross and its work in their life. Young folks, listen to me. But I, I want to tell all you young folks that when I say young folks, listen to me, what I'm really trying to do a lot of times is preach to your moms and dads and grandparents in a way that they won't get mad at me. And so when I say young folks, listen to me, what I'm hoping is everybody will listen. It's a trick. I shouldn't have said it out loud. When Kate was little, when Kate was little, we, we were out shopping with my brother and his family, and Ellie wanted to, they wanted to keep shopping, and I'm one, I always want to quit shopping within about five seconds of starting. And I, I need to leave, and, uh, and I didn't want Kate to stay with them. She was, she was little, so I said, Kate, you're going to go with me, and Ellie can stay with them. And, and, uh, and Kate goes, yes. And I'm like, what's this all about? And she said, you're the sucker parent. She said, if I get you alone, I get whatever I want. And she said, I probably shouldn't have said that. Well, maybe I probably shouldn't have just told on myself. But when I say young folks, listen to me. Sometimes what I'm saying is I'm trying to tell your parents something too. But let me just tell you, don't you ever try to get someone to sin with you. Don't ever try to get somebody to lower their holiness standard. Well, it doesn't take that. You don't need to do that. That's that. Don't ever do that. Don't ever try to get someone to miss church with you. Ever. Amen. 
because you position yourself as an enemy of the cross in that person's life. For what the cross is trying to do in their walk with, with God and what the cross is trying to do in their spirit, you're fighting against that and that positions you as an enemy of the cross. And let me tell you, in the end, the cross is going to win. Can I preach a little while longer? Yes, I can. Romans 12 and 2, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed. How will I be transformed? How is by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Let me, let me, just, let me just say something here that, 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 uh, that a lot of people have misinterpreted this verse. When it says good and acceptable and perfect will of God, some people have misinterpreted that to mean that there's three different wills of God, that there's the perfect will of God. Am I, am I slaughtering a sacred cow? That there's a good will of God and there's a perfect will of God and there's an acceptable. And, and what I'm doing, it's not the perfect will of God, but maybe it's acceptable. That's a lie. That's not the Bible. That's not what the Bible is saying. What the Bible is saying is there is a will of God. And that will of God is good, acceptable, and perfect. It doesn't mean multiple choice. I get to decide how much of God's will I want. Amen. So when somebody says, well, I'm living in the permissive will of God, what that really is code for is I'm out of the will of God, but I'm doing what I want to do. Amen. Now look, we had a missionary Sunday, Wednesday. We had a guest preacher Sunday. Bishop Wilson preached the Sunday before that. Amen. We got, a, we got a preacher tonight. We got a preacher next week. So I got about a month's worth of preaching to do in one service. <laughs> Amen. God has a will. That will is for you to live holy, faithful, righteously, and godly, to worship, to serve, and work for him. We don't get to decide what of that we don't want to do and call it God's acceptable, permissive will. That is not the way the Bible meant it. What the Bible said is you've got a choice. You can either be conformed to the world or you can be transformed from the world. You can't have it both ways. But if you're going to be conformed to the world, you've got to remember that when you do that, you become an enemy of the cross. God, help my mind today. I do have to hurry. I, I started early, but I have preached a while, as you well know. In this generation, everything is about sexual gratification and desire. Lust wars against your mind, Ephesians 4, 22 through 23, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. You gotta put off the old man, the old ways, the old desires, which is corrupt according to deceitful lust. Lust is a liar. Deceitful lust. Lust is deceitful. Lust will lie to you. Lust will tell you it can't be bad if it feels good. It can't be bad if you want it. So it can't, no, I'm telling you it's deceitful because what that lust is really trying to do is get you bound by sin so you'll go to hell for eternity. And the only way to break the band of deceitful lust and desire is you have to have the spirit of your mind renewed. God, help my mind to be renewed every day. Help my mind, oh God, to be renewed in the spirit. Help my mind, oh God, to be transformed. I don't want to be conformed to the world, but I got to be transformed. 
Let me tell you, lust is a liar. It's deceitful. It's momentary pleasure deceives you into thinking that it's okay, but in reality, it's sin. Men and women will always have a battle with lust. It's human nature. God gave men and women sexual desire to keep their marriages together. I know I said the S word. You gotta let me preach a minute though. When lust goes outside of marriage, you need the spirit of your mind renewed. Men, your wives are the only woman you're allowed to flirt with. I know what this generation believes. I know how this world lives. I know the standard of this world. But if you ever flirt with anybody that's not your wife, you're sinning. you got to get your mind and your tongue under control and be a man of God that you were created to be. You don't flirt with other women. And women, you don't flirt with other men. Can I get an amen in the house right now? Men and women, when your lust goes outside of marriage, you need your mind renewed. You don't make passes and propositions to other people that you're not married to. Hallelujah. That's good preaching, Pastor. I'm going to tell you, we can't be conformed to this world. This world sleeps around, but you don't. Your wives and husbands are the only people you're allowed to have sexual desire toward. Hallelujah. Amen. You can't say I didn't warn you a while ago. Married men, don't you ever mention sex with another woman. So I was just teasing. Well, your teasing is dumb. Don't do it no more. Don't ever approach the subject with someone you're not married to. You've got to get the spirit of your mind renewed. I don't know if, 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 if the word's just impacting so strong or if there's so much guilt that, that you don't want to say amen very loud. God, I need the spirit of my mind to be renewed. Whatever got in my mind that made me think that was an appropriate way to act, God, that's a wrong mind, and that made me an enemy of the cross, so God, help my mind to be renewed. The enemy wants to attack your faith. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm coming into overdrive. Luke 12, 29, Seek not ye what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, neither be ye of doubtful mind. Amen. You've got to believe God, folks. You've got to trust God. Amen. 2 Timothy 1 and 7, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love, and of a sound mind. These days are full of anxiety. But let me just tell you that God will give you the strength and ability to serve him, to raise your family, to know him, and to make it. God is able to keep your mind. Amen. God has not given us a spirit of fear. God doesn't want you always being scared and worried Am I going to make it? How am I going to make it? Am I going to survive? How will my kids ever make it? God knew. God knew what the world was going to be like. But he said at the same time that he wrote the world was going to be terrible, he said the glory of the latter house is going to be greater than the former. So as bad as it is out there, it's going to be that much better in here. Where sin did abound, grace did much more abound. God is able to keep you. 
God is able to help you. God is able to strengthen you. You can make it. God didn't give you a spirit of fear, but he did give you a spirit of power, a spirit of love, and a spirit of a sound mind. That word sound mind actually means self-control and discipline. And so the best way to have a sound mind is to live a disciplined, holy life. Isaiah 26 and 3. That will, I'm on my last page, folks. Rejoice and be exceedingly glad. Isaiah 26 and 3. Thou will keep him in perfect peace. The word perfect means complete peace. Keep him in perfect peace. Whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusted in thee. Man, I feel the Holy Ghost. That word keep in the Hebrew, the word nasar, means to guard or to protect, to preserve, to watch over. God will guard you in perfect peace. God will protect you in perfect peace. God will preserve you. God will watch out over you in perfect peace whose mind is stayed. My heart is fixed. My heart is fixed. God, I'm going to serve you. God, I'm going to worship you. God, I'm going to be faithful to you. God, my heart, I made up my mind. I'm going to serve you. And God says, when your mind is stayed on him, when your mind is fixed, determined, established, then God said, okay, now, because you've made that decision, now I'm going to guard you. I'm going to protect you. I'm going to keep you in perfect peace. Because you made up your mind, Because you made up your mind to live for me with all you have. Now, God says, it's my job to keep you in peace. Once you make up your mind, then God says, okay, now it's my turn. And I'm going to keep your family. Look, there's people here that if anyone, if anyone in the world had gone through the stuff you've gone through, you wouldn't be here right now but you're still standing. You've been through troubles, you've been through trials, you've been through heartbreak, you've been through disease, you've been through sickness, you've been through disappointment. You've had things rock your world like an earthquake. You've had things come against you. You've had, some of you have stuff in your past that you had to deal with that only God knows how you made it through. And all this stuff, but God says, once you make up your mind, then it's my job to be your guard. So if I make up my mind, then God promised he'll keep me in perfect peace. God doesn't want you living in torment. That ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled. Oh God, as your eyes are closed all over this place, I told you when I started, 
and I was preaching a message of responsibility. My heart is fixed, God. I've made up my mind. I'm a worshiper. I'm going to be faithful. I'm going to live holy. I'm going to guard my mind. I'm going to keep deceitful lust out of my heart. I'm going to serve you. I'm going to be faithful. And God, when my mind has stayed on you, you promised that you would keep me. That you would guard me. That you would preserve me and protect me. So God, I don't know how the rest of this year and the rest of time is going to go, but I do know this, that you gave me a promise. And as long as my heart is fixed, my mind is made up, and my mind is stayed on you, then I'm going to trust that your word is right. That you be not soon shaken in mind or troubled. Brother Ethan, if you'll come and play something softly while everyone's eyes are closed, there's some people in this place that you've been through horrible mental battles. The enemy, the enemy wants to shake your mind. He comes in waves to see if he can move you off your determination. He sends trials and problems, heartache and pain, sickness and struggle, temptation, all in an attempt to see if he can change your mind. If I can get their mind off God, if I can get their mind off of him, if I can get their mind carnal, I can make him an enemy of the cross. And so he attacks your marriage. He attacks your children. He attacks your finances. He attacks your holiness convictions. He tries to get you to back up just a little bit somewhere. Because if he can get you to move just a little bit, then that means your heart isn't fixed. And that cracking open of the door gives him a way to damage your peace. Paul, 2,000 years ago nearly, said, don't be shaken in your mind. When we get close to the coming of the Lord, when we get close to the end, the closer we get to the gathering up of the church, the more mental struggles, the more attacks that the enemy makes against your mind, you've got to not soon be shaken. I want you to do something for me. I want you to take your hand and I want you to place it on your head. And I want you to begin to pray, God, help my mind to be fixed. Help my mind to be stayed on you. Help me, God, to settle some of the questions that I allowed to creep in. Help me, God, to set myself so my mind can be fixed, established, strengthened. Are you praying with me?
God, you know the struggles, the temptations that people have. God, you know that the devil would love to take a moment of weakness in somebody's life and mark someone by that forever. But God, I'm praying, and they're praying right now for their own mind. God, I pray help our minds to be fixed and stayed and established. God, I pray for these men and women and young people and children in Bethlehem right now and those who are watching online. I plead the blood of Jesus over their mind. I plead the blood over their mind, oh God. I plead the blood, Lord Jesus, over their minds. God, over these young people whose minds are bombarded on a daily basis by new age thinking and compromise, modern ways of living and lifestyles that go against your word. God, I pray for their mind. God, that they won't be shaken off the foundation. I pray for these men and women, oh God, who go to work on a regular basis and they rub shoulders with people whose minds are not on you whose minds are not godly, whose minds are not pure and holy. And God, they, like Lot, whose righteous soul was vexed by seeing and hearing. God, I pray for these men and women as they go into their workplaces in the community, oh God, I pray that you help our minds to be stayed on you. God, I pray for these men and women and young people whose homes are battleground, that there's tension and turmoil, that the home is not a sanctuary anymore, but it's a battleground, and there's stressure and pressure. God, that we not be soon shaken in our mind. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, for those in this place that are suffering from things that we can't hardly imagine that they are enduring, but God, help their mind to be stayed. Are you praying with me right now? Are you praying with me right now? Are you praying that God would somehow help us to gird up the loins of our minds? That somehow God would help us feel the Holy Ghost in this place. Folks, I can preach it. I can tell you. I can talk about it. But I can't make you do anything about it. I can give you the word and the direction from the Holy Ghost, but I can't make you do anything about it. I can't make you walk to an altar and bow your knee and say, God, help my mind to be fixed, to be established. I can't make you... We got folks kneeling at their seats. We got folks all over this building. I'm going to tell you, this whole building ought to be an altar call because we all are in this end time struggle for our mind. God, I pray, Lord Jesus, give us the courage to gird up the loins of our mind. Give us the courage, oh God, the fortitude and the will to turn ourselves from earthly thinking and enemies of the cross to turn ourselves towards you, God. Help my mind to be renewed, Lord. God, help my mind to be renewed. 
Help my mind to be purified. Help my heart, oh God, to be cleansed. Oh, that's right. Oh God, I pray for those that have been going through a terrible mental battle. Give them help, Lord. God, for those that the devil is driving them seemingly crazy with temptation. I pray, God, give them your grace and help today. I pray, Lord, for the renewing of the mind in this place. Oh, somebody ought to just let the Holy Ghost wash over your spirit right now. You ought to let the Holy Ghost wash over your soul. You ought to lift your voice and talk to God. Lord Jesus, I want my mind renewed. Oh, hallelujah. Amen. If you're not praying for yourself, you ought to reach over and pray for somebody else. We ought to minister one to another and strengthen one another. Let me tell you, you're not the only one fighting a mental battle. You're not the only one fighting a struggle. This is a word from the Lord for the church today. This is a word from the Lord for this hour that we're living in. But God didn't send this word so you can go home and feel defeated and frustrated. God sent the word to let you know he's here to help you. And he's with you. And he's helping you and strengthening you. He doesn't send his word without it bringing back some kind of a benefit in our life. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for your peace. Thank you, Jesus, for your help. Thank you, Jesus, for your grace. Thank you, God, for your mercy, for your loving kindness. Thank you, God, for your help today. Oh, hallelujah. That's right. Minister one to another. Pray one for another. I pray for the renewing of the mind today. You're not praying on your own right now. Link up with somebody close to you. Begin to pray for one another. Let your mind, let their mind be set, be fixed. God, help us to live determined lives. God, for your help and your strength. Come on, can we pray all over this place? There ought to be some tongue talking going on around here. 
God, let there be a refreshing move of the Holy Ghost here. Amen. Everybody ought to lift their hands to heaven and say, God, baptize her with the Holy Ghost fresh one more time. You ought to pray yourself through to the Holy Ghost right now. You ought to say, God, I need the Holy Ghost to baptize me. I need the Spirit of the Lord to move on me right now. God, in my home, in my marriage, in my family, on my mind. Come on, there ought to be an outpouring. There ought to be a wave of the Holy Ghost all over this house from the front to the back. Spirit of the Lord, come and renew our mind today. Refresh us and cleanse us and wash us with the power of your Spirit, O God. Let there be a regeneration, a rebirth, a renewing of the mind in Jesus' name. Come on, you ought to lift your voice. This is a Holy Ghost Apostolic Church. You ought to lift your voice and just let it flow out of you. Oh, come on. Come on. I, I feel, I hear it. I hear a breakthrough coming for somebody. I hear a breakthrough coming for somebody's mind. I rebuke anxiety and depression and discouragement in the name of Jesus. Get your mind renewed right now. Come on, young men and young ladies. Come on, young parents. Come on. Come on, elders. Let's get our mind renewed in the Holy Ghost this morning. Spirit of the Lord, you ought to open your mouth and let the Holy Ghost flow out of you. Let that washing of the Spirit cleanse our soul and help us. Let the fire of the Holy Ghost burn the dross out of our heart. Don't be afraid to lay a hand on somebody. Be led by the Holy Ghost. Not only minister, but everybody. Let's minister one to another. In the name of Jesus, grant peace. Grant perfect peace to those whose mind is stayed upon you.
think we just heard the best sermon of the year. Struggle for our mind. Hallelujah, hallelujah. You have your tithing. Bring your tithing. Remember this afternoon we have church that starts at, in the prayer room. Six o'clock. Be free. Starts before then. I guess it's five. Five if you have your tithing, go ahead and bring it forward. Jesus, I thank you, Lord, for the word that we've heard, Lord. I ask that it dig deep down inside my heart, Lord. This week, Lord, when I'm alone by myself and I'm on my pillow, Lord, I ask you, you would bring this word back to me, back to my mind, God. I pray over our families, Lord. I pray over our young couples, Lord, under over our young people, Lord, and as they go back to school, that you would protect their minds, God. Right now, Lord Jesus, we need the Holy Ghost on a day-to-day -day basis to lead and guide us, God. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, let our minds be stayed upon you, Lord God. Let's seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And everything else is going to fall together. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. You have your tithe. Go ahead and bring your tithe forward. You can be dismissed in the name of the Lord.